0: Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, this is Anne. I have Jen on today's episode. She's gonna be sharing her personal story and she has a very interesting twist at the end. I'm just gonna dive right into this. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. Let's start with your personal story. When you were dating way, way back long ago, can you talk about the grooming process that he used? I think it was
1: a pretty typical grooming process. He was just really kind. He was very, very attentive. He was in contact almost like hourly. He was constantly in contact with me. I was always getting text messages and he was always complimentary and kind. Kind of swept me off my feet a little bit. We were friends at first and he was a little bit that way even as we were friends and then it progressed into more and it became
0: even more that way. So, when did you start noticing the abusive behaviors?
1: I didn't recognize them as abuse at first. It took me about two years after we separated, and the divorce was a year later, that I really started to recognize that there was abuse that had gone on other than pornography
0: use. How did you learn about that abuse? Is it just being educated about it? What helped you realize it was abusive?
1: I was reading, actually, one of the articles that you had put out there. And it was talking about ways that you could recognize someone that was working recovery and ways to make restitution. As I was going through, I started recognizing just a whole bunch of different things that had gone on and that were still kind of going on, even in my interactions with him after the divorce. So that's when I really recognized. Before that, I had had therapists advise me to read a book, and I read the book, and it was just after we had separated. It was two to three months after, and it was called Healing from Hidden Abuse, and I read the book, but I thought, yeah, this doesn't really seem like me, and then after I had read your article, and I had kind of looked into things, I read it again, and I was like, holy cow, this is exactly me. (laughs) I didn't really
0: recognize it. So we've talked before, just on the phone, about how I was a very bad victim. I didn't play my role very well. And how you were a very good victim. Can you describe why you feel like you were the world's best victim?
1: After we got married, there would be these huge outbursts and this anger, and he would say these horrible things. But I quickly learned that if I was in line with what he wanted, That Those did not occur as often, and so I very quickly learned to anticipate what might cause angry outbursts and to avoid those at all costs, to try and stay in line with the things that he wanted me to say and didn't want me to say, and that was to avoid the angry outbursts and the name-calling and the yelling and throwing things and stuff like that.
0: Which is the purpose of abuse. People don't realize that. The purpose of abuse is to coerce someone or threaten someone into doing what you want rather than asking them nicely and giving them the ability to choose for themselves without threats, anger, intimidation, etc. During the relationship, you don't realize that you're being abused. Talk about what happened with the divorce. How did you end up divorced? What did that look like? About
1: three years into our marriage, I discovered him involved with a woman online. And at that point, I don't know how, but by some miracle, he admitted to me that he was involved with pornography, that it wasn't me. Because I was willing to take most of the blame. I had said, obviously, I'm not meeting your needs. We need to go see a counselor. We need to go talk to the bishop. Let's work this out. And so he, at that point, acknowledged that there was pornography use going on. I am pretty smart and I'm quick with computers and so I would check up on him a lot and he's also very smart and very very good with computers and so he quickly learned how to avoid getting caught so he kind of played this game for a while where I would check up on him a lot but eventually I couldn't catch him anymore because he figured out all the ways that I was checking up on him and he found ways around them and then about four years later I found him involved with a girl at work and there were other women in between, but this is the shortened version. And so we separated and I almost got a divorce at that point, but I was staying with my parents and the two bishops that I worked with, they really wanted me to just work it out with him. I didn't know what else to do. And he was very good at convincing me at times that he was going to change things. were going to get better. So I stayed. And then I caught him again. He was doing school through an online program. He had to go out for a week, two times in this program. The second week that he went out there, I caught him involved with a girl that he had been in some classes with while he was out doing this school week. And she was staying in his hotel. And so at that point, I said, we need a separation. This needs to be fixed or I'm done. That's the point when, for the very first time, addiction was brought up.
0: So, you don't know you're being abused. You're saying the first time you really confronted it, it was from an addiction standpoint.
1: So, we had been to therapists. We went to therapists the whole time through 11 years. But I didn't know I was being abused. And I didn't know it was an addiction either. They never said the word addiction, it, it was just a pornography problem, something that he needed to address. It was just a problem. At that point, I discovered a lot more about addiction, gaslighting, table turning, the grooming, that kind of stuff. He still didn't recognize it, though, because we were separated, but we were still working on things. And he was claiming it was going to get better. But when I started to really set boundaries and say, look, you're not coming back until this is better than it was. And I was starting to recognize some of the behaviors, not all of them, but some of them. I still didn't recognize them as abuse. And so I said, it needs to change. People always used to tell me, they'd say, you know, when he is working recovery and when he's going into recovery, you will know. I never knew. And he always said he was working recovery and that it was getting better. And so I always thought they were just wrong. You don't know but there's a difference at a certain point when he realized that I was not going to let him back into the home until things were addressed. And he started taking accountability at that point, he decided that I was not good for him and I was holding him back and he left.
0: And did he end up filing for divorce?
1: He did not file for a divorce, but he asked me to do it and you did it. I did.
0: Why did you do it? Did you want to? I didn't
1: want a divorce, but I felt like it was necessary at this point. I needed that separation. I needed it to be official for me to be able to start my own healing.
0: Because one woman I know, her abusive husband said the same thing. He said, you file. And she said, no, I'm not going to. And she didn't. And then he ended up filing later.
1: I was the good victim. So I did what he wanted. Yeah. In the process, I think it was good for me to have that separation and just be able to let go and say, this isn't my problem anymore. So it did end up being good for me, but I didn't want him to at the time, and I was devastated.
0: You didn't want him to, even though you did it. You were a really good victim.
1: I was the best
0: victim ever. So can you give us some examples of how he would gaslight you?
1: One of the first ones that comes to my mind, so I would... like something was wrong and i always felt like something was wrong but every once in a while i would just feel it really strongly and so i'd be like is everything okay is there something going on maybe that you need to tell me about he would say you know eventually you're gonna figure out that that's just your paranoia or he would question everything i said it left me feeling like maybe there wasn't Because he is genuinely a very, very intelligent person. And so it would leave me feeling like maybe there was something off. Maybe it was me. He would turn things around and he would say other people could see it as well. And make me feel like I was crazy.
0: What year was the divorce final? 2017. In the beginning of 2017. Okay, so it's now 2019. And can you describe your process after the divorce, starting to process the abuse and starting to process what had happened to you?
1: As time went on, I still was a pretty good victim for a good while after, but I was so much removed from a lot of it that there were times when I had really great clarity and I started to realize that I didn't deserve because I would feel guilty. He would attack me, but at the end of his attacks, when I was upset, he'd be like, you just can't handle that someone else thinks differently than you. You just hate that someone else thinks differently than you, and you can't control what they are think. And I would kind of believe him because I was feeling upset by that point. And so I'd be like, yeah, I kind of feel upset about what he's thinking. I didn't recognize the attack that had happened that was actually the cause of what I was feeling he never said anything directly he never said you're stupid he just said everyone else gets it and you don't so as I got away from that I started to have more confidence in myself and then I started listening to different things your podcasts and I started recognizing slowly he wasn't very nice <laughs> it wasn't very good and I started recognizing my feelings and emotions I just had to bury them deep so that I could just get through each day. So they started coming out, you know, as I'd remember things and think about things, or things would be different, and I would notice that I was happy in it. I hadn't felt that in a while. I would recognize why, and it was because I didn't feel the pressure. I didn't feel like I constantly had to please someone else, or there were going to be huge repercussions. As I started to gain confidence in myself, my relationship with my children became even better. And it was pretty good, but they were really struggling. And as we worked through it together and just found ways to talk about things that were hurting them inside, I began to gain confidence in my mothering skills in everything around me where I hadn't even realized I didn't have confidence before. Then I started listening to podcasts and I started reading stuff and little by little, I started to recognize just more and more, oh my goodness, this was way worse and I think when you're in the situation at the time you can't think about how horrible it is because that would just be too hard to handle the situation itself and recognize just how bad it is for a lot of people it comes after
0: yeah the most trauma I ever had was after he was out of the home and I realized how bad it really was yeah it's shocking a lot of people always ask why don't women get out of an abusive relationship and the answer is because they don't know they're in one And it was your podcast.
1: It was the BTR podcast that really helped me to recognize. A lot of times, I think the professionals, it's hard to say abuse. It's hard to say those words. And it's hard to talk about the really hard things like abuse and grooming, gaslighting, things like that. But it's really important for the survivor of abuse to hear those words and to understand what really happened to them. And once they do hear those words, it's life-saving because it helps you recognize why you had the reactions that you did, that it was really that bad. And that's why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. It was really important.
0: So I have a story to tell about Jen and her ex-husband, John. I know him. I know him personally. I've known him for a long time. And at UCAP this year, I saw Jen and John standing in front of my booth. And my first reaction was, why is he following her around? Because I hadn't talked to Jen for a while, right? he's stalking her is what I thought. So I kind of like wedged myself in between them to sort of be like, I got to protect her, you know? And Jen said to me, Ann, it's fine. Like we're actually dating. I almost fell over. I was like, what? Tell me the whole story. You have to come on the podcast and tell this story. So We are going to actually talk with John next week in next week's podcast, but before we bring him on to talk about what happened, let's talk about how you began dating John again. How many years after your divorce? Our
1: divorce had been final for about a year. I knew that he had decided that he needed to go back to see a therapist and start working on addiction. He had told me that. And so he had been seeing a therapist, I think, for about six months at that point. He came back and he said, I made a big mistake. And he said, I want to see if there's any way that I can have you and the kids back in my life again. And that's kind of how it started. What did you think when he said that? For me, I'm a very loyal person. So I was pretty excited. I did have reservations. I didn't think that he really knew what that meant or how much work that meant,
0: but I was excited. So you start kind of dating again. What helped you feel safe enough to think, yeah, I could maybe even attempt to do this?
1: So I made him read that podcast that you had done that had opened my eyes. And then we went through and we discussed it. And he, for the first time ever, acknowledged what had gone on, and that it was abuse. He said, I abused you. We went through and we talked about some ways, because you had gone through and listed things that they would stop doing. We talked about the different ways that he had done that, and it was a continued conversation. It wasn't any one conversation. It was... Just lots of little conversations. And he would come back and he'd say, I just realized that when I did this, that is what I was doing. It's not something that you stop all at once. And he started recognizing on his own things that he was doing that were abusive and harmful.
0: So as he's starting to say this stuff, is he backing it up with action?
1: He wasn't completely backing it up. He was going to a therapist, but he was nervous about doing the group thing, about having a sponsor, those kinds of things for the 12-step program. He does have a sponsor now, and he works with a therapist almost weekly. There are a few things that I have asked him to do so that I can see physical evidence of him working recovery, because it's really easy to say, well, you're not going to see the changes because they're inside of me, and that was actually used a lot in our marriage.
0: But it's interesting because you can see them on the outside if you know what abusive behaviors to look for, right? I absolutely can.
1: And that's one of the big differences between then and now. Like before, I would have said, you can't tell when they're working recovery. Now I know what people are talking about when they say, you can feel it, you can tell when he's working recovery because it really is true. And when someone is not talking to you about their recovery, it means they're not really working it because when... He is actually working recovery. He is excited to tell me about the stuff he's learning. He will bring it up. He will talk about it. He will talk about insights. I have asked that he not talk about any kind of relapses or anything like that. I don't want to know at this point where he's at with that. I judge moving forward
0: solely on how he treats me and the kids. So you're dating your ex-husband. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I was very excited to learn that. Like I said, I have known him a long time. I've actually known him longer than I've known you. And so I love redemptive stories. I really want every single man who has been abusive to stop his abuse and to Be reunited with his wife and children. Families are what this is about and saving families is what BTR is about. So many people think that BTR that we advocate for divorce, but that is not what I advocate for. We advocate for safety and for families that are happy and healthy so that a woman can feel safe and at peace in her own home. And so children can grow up in happy, peaceful homes. I'm going to stop there. And next week, we're actually going to have both John and Jen on the podcast at the same time. And I would like to just put a disclaimer out that I personally don't know what level of recovery John is in. I haven't seen his polygraph results, for example, and et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to take John where he's at and not put him on a pedestal as like, oh, he is the example of the ideal man in recovery. But we're going to just interview this couple now as they date. They share five children. They're divorced, but they're dating and see kind of how that feels to us. So I just want to put a disclaimer that please don't take this as, oh, Anne's putting her stamp of like, yes, he's the model recovering addict. Hopefully we can learn from their story. If there are any addicts who are listening, that it can give them hope that if they choose to stop being abusive, if they choose to stop cheating on their wives and participating in an infidelity in any form, that there is hope for all families. So thank you, Jen. I look forward to next week. Perfect. I have super cool news. We have partnered with a new organization called Center for Peace. You can find their website at c-e-n-f-p This is the first organization that I know of that is an abuse cessation program. So it's not an addiction recovery program, but it's a program for men who are exhibiting abusive behaviors. And at Center for Peace, those abusive behaviors are lying, manipulating, porn use, infidelity, uh, soliciting prostitutes, you know, all of the abusive behaviors that we see at BTR. Center for Peace uses that same abuse model to help men stop their abusive behaviors. Coach Joy, who is the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Coaching Coordinator? She runs the Center for Peace program. And so, at Center for Peace, if your husband is going there, then you can also be attending at BTR and they work hand in hand. So, to learn more about the Center for Peace program, go to CENFP.org. Thank you to those of you who make this podcast possible through your monthly donations. If you are not already a monthly donor, please go to our website, btr.org. Scroll down to the bottom, click on make a donation, and set your recurring monthly donation today. If you haven't already and you're so inclined, please rate this podcast on iTunes. Every single one of your ratings helps isolated women find us. Until next week, stay safe out there.